Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. to the book of Isaiah praise the Lord the book of Isaiah chapter 40 I'm going to read a one verse of scripture this evening that I'm confident that most everyone in this room can can quote it without even looking at your Bibles but I want to take this scripture tonight if we may and and uh, kind of separate it into a few different parts and just look at what Isaiah who was writing but inspired by the Spirit of God would have us to understand. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. Everybody say they shall walk. Father, I love you and I'm so thankful for the privilege to be in this place. Thankful, God, that we can come together and worship and magnify your name. But I'm asking, Lord, for the next few minutes that our hearts and minds would be made pliable to receive the word of God as it goes forth. Anoint us as a congregation. God, anoint me as your voice tonight and let us hear what thus saith the Lord, not just to hear, Lord, but to be doers of the word of God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. The whole house said amen. Turn to your neighbor before you're seated and tell them how good it is to be in church tonight. Praise the Lord. When we look at this scripture, if we're not careful, or, or I won't cast us all in the same boat, if I'm not careful, I read over it so fast uh, that I sometimes miss some things. And if we look at this particular passage of scripture, I believe that Isaiah is trying to separate some things or create different levels in just this short verse that he wants us to understand. First and foremost, we read from the very beginning, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Right out of the gate, we see that God has given us a promise that if we wait, 
that we will have our strength renewed. And so that is meaning to wait or expect patiently, to be anticipating something for God, something that he will do. And then after the waiting, after the anticipation, and after the promise comes, then we begin to see in this verse the manifestation of the promise. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. And this uh, this makes reference to soaring or being in high places. And as human beings, everyone likes to soar. It would be great if we could all live on the mountaintop in life, but it don't always work out that way. And to, to soar means that I am above my troubles. Life is good. I don't have to deal with a whole lot right now. And amazingly, eagles soar faster and fly higher than any other bird. They average speeds of 120 miles per hour. In fact, some have been clocked in excess of 150. When searching for their prey, the eagle can soar to the height of one half mile. And from that vantage point, and using his exceptional eyesight, it can spot a rabbit from a distance of almost two miles. The eagle can survey an area of some four and one half square miles upon spotting its intended prey. The eagle will turn sharply fold its wings into a tight aerodynamic formation, and he will dive at speeds of up to 200 miles per hour. The eagle has approximately 7,000 feathers, and its wings are so powerful that when a storm is approaching, the eagle doesn't fly away from the storm, but he will turn and fly directly into the storm. He flies through the storm until he reaches the highest peak that he can find, and there he takes his powerful talons and, and he grips the, the top of that peak and he stays there and endures the storm until it is past. And that's why we like to refer to ourselves sometimes as uh, flying like eagles. Everybody wants to fly and everybody wants to, to, to live above troubles. And when we hear that part of the scripture, we often get excited because if we wait upon the Lord and he brings that promise, then we're going to soar. And that is true. That is part of the passage of Scripture. That is the emotional excitement. And let me say this, there's nothing wrong with being emotionally excited. It's okay. But however, sometimes we can become emotional without being spiritual. And that's where we run into problems. Uh, the third aspect of that verse is they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. People praise runners because runners uh, tend to adapt and have the ability to endure. When the runner carrying the torch for the Olympics comes into the arena and he makes that ascension up that stairwell, he is greeted by cheers and a standing ovation, and he, he runs into that stadium. And like most at a finish line, uh, there are people waiting at the line to cheer racers on. As a matter of fact, if you participate in a marathon, it doesn't even matter if you come in first. You can just cross the line and they're going to cheer you on. Everybody's going to receive a pat on the back and that's the way we as humans like to be. We, we like to be praised. I'm just being, being real tonight. We, we like some praise in our life. And the scripture adds though that uh, they shall walk and not faint. And when we get to the walking part, I found it ironic that, that Isaiah says walking 
for last because walkers aren't praised like runners are praised. It's, it's not exciting as soaring. Walking's kind of mundane. It, it can be monotonous and it tends to drag on and on and on. But it is necessary and it is crucial in our relationship with Jesus Christ that we learn how to walk. So just for a few minutes tonight, I want to talk to us about that. It matters how you walk. It matters how you walk. Soaring and running are comparative to, a, let's say, a Sunday morning service, just, just like what we experienced here this past Sunday morning. We came to church, and, and there was a powerful move of the Holy Ghost, and there were, there were some that were moved and motivated by the worship, and, and that's a powerful and necessary part of our apostolic way of life. But walking... Walking is, is a little bit different. It kind of separates itself. It's a, it's a relationship. And after one of those Holy Ghost filled services where God has poured out His power, after we've shouted, after we've spoken in tongues, after we've rejoiced in the Holy Ghost, how do we walk the rest of the week? In His presence, I, I can show you some excitement. I, I, I can become emotionally stimulated. I can, I can move to the beat of the music, and I can get caught up in the emotionalism of the service. And please understand tonight, I'm not saying that there is not some spiritualism involved with that, but my daily walk tells the story of my relationship with Jesus Christ. You, you can't tell how I'm walking just by what you see on Sunday morning. In the natural, you may not see me walk. But when I go to the doctor and they do a checkup or run a test on my heart, the doctor knows right out of the gate if I'm taking care of myself. He can tell whether or not I have been walking because walking benefits our heart. It benefits our body. Studies have shown that those who walk throughout their lifetime experience a few benefits that others do not. Those of us who not, do not participate in, in daily walking, we miss out on some things that, that daily walkers get. Walkers are better able to control their cholesterol and their blood pressure and their sugar levels. They are at less risk to become diabetic and may be at lower risk for heart disease. The reduced risk of Developing life-threatening diseases can be, can be somewhat moved out of your life by routine walking. And by routine walking, it is a test that has been run on many occasions and studies proved by routine walking. Most people will most definitely live longer. How many feel better when you walk? Uh, by, by default, living here in the country, I, I, I don't want to pick on Brother Mike, but I get to see him walking a lot. He walks up and down the highway, and it motivates me. And this particular time of the year, uh, coming out of watermelon season, due to the nature of our irrigation system, we get to walk a bunch. That's why you'll see Chob and Orlando in such good shape, because it's not uncommon for them to walk as much as four to six miles a day around the field checking ends. And I, out of the gate, when we first start, I'm excited. Because I'm going to park my truck on the end and I'm going I'm to walk with them and I'm going to help them. But after a couple of weeks, this walking gets old and I'll, I'll get Chava to spray some herbicide on the ends where I can ride in the truck and just hang out the window and check them. Walking is something that you've got to do every day. It has to be a routine. No matter how mundane it becomes, no matter how monotonous, it's something that you've got to be committed to and purpose in yourself to get up every day and walk. And it's the same way in the spiritual. We all have an appointment with Jesus Christ and he is going to 
do a heart check. And he's going to see if we're walking with him or not. When, when you walk with him, you can endure some hardness in your life. And when you're, when you're walking every day with God, you're able to handle the adversity that life throws at you just a little bit better. When you're walking with God every day, you tend to treat people just a little bit different. And when you walk with him every day, it causes us to act the way that he wants us to act. And when we walk with him, We become like him. We are given several examples in the word of God concerning walking with him. We know that Enoch in the book of Genesis 5 and 24 walked with God and he was not for God took him. Noah is described as a righteous man in Genesis 6 and 9 and Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations and Noah walked with God. Micah, inspired by the Holy Ghost in chapter 6 verse 8, gives us a glimpse of what God desires for each and every one of us in this house this evening. Micah said, He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercifully, and to walk humbly with thy God. Walking with God is not just an activity reserved just for the few. God desires for every one of his children to walk with him. My mind can't help but to go back to the song as I was preparing for this. We, we sing it sometimes at our assisted living facilities. Oh, let me walk with you, Jesus. Don't ever, don't ever leave me alone. What happens when we walk with someone? First and foremost, we're in close proximity to them. We, we, we talk, we laugh, and we listen. We perhaps share the same desires and our attention is focused on that person uh, to the exclusion of almost everything around us. We notice the beauty around us or the occasional distraction, but only to point it out to that person that we're walking with. We, We share it together. We're in harmony. We're in peace. When we're side by side and we're walking, we're experiencing life together. And walking with God is just like that. When we enter into an intimate heart relationship with Jesus Christ, he becomes our heart's greatest desire. Hebrews 10 and 22 said, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So knowing him, hearing his voice, sharing our hearts with him and seeking to please him, becomes our all-consuming focus. He becomes everything to us. We all like to imagine how Jesus responds or, or hears our prayers, and, I, and I'm not sure that anybody really understands that or knows that. But I, in, in my natural human state, I tend to believe he would be just like uh, someone calling their child. That child is familiar with their voice. If, if, if Brother Bobby's calling on him every morning, and he don't hear from me very often. And I know we serve an uh, omnipotent God and he's everywhere and hears all and sees all and knows all. But just, just humor me for a minute. If, if, if he don't hear from me very often and Brother Bobby's calling him on him every morning and at 7 o'clock on Monday morning, Brother Bobby's calling at the same time I am. I just have to believe that he's going to hear him first. Because I haven't been walking and I haven't been talking. The Word of God says he, the sheep know his voice. Meeting with Jesus is not just an activity. 
that is reserved for Sunday morning for a couple hours, but we've got to be in a relationship with him. The desire of every one of us should be to be and to live in a state of unbroken worship and celebrate a relationship like no other. And this is only possible when we walk with God. And that's why it matters so much how you walk. I want to draw our attention to four things about our walk with God. First, our walk with God is important. As a matter of fact, our life depends on it. Just like our life depends on walking in the natural. Uh, I read an article the other day that says that those that sit in front of a computer or at a desk for eight hours a day it would be advisable to them that every 50 minutes they should get up and walk at least five minutes because it helps to circulate the blood and and prevent clotting. Now, life is in the blood, and a blood clot means that, that the life or the blood isn't flowing properly, and the blood clot can travel to the heart and cause death. Our walk with God is important because the devil wants to kill us. He's come to kill, steal, and destroy. And if he can clot our life, if if he can stop our heart, so emphatically, yes, number one, our life does depend upon our walk with God. Number two is the devil hates. He hates when we have a relationship with God. The devil doesn't mind us coming here on Sunday morning. He didn't mind the outpouring of the Holy Ghost here Sunday morning. That really didn't faze him one bit. But he hates it when we depart from here and we carry on as children of God on a day-to-day basis because when we walk with him every day, our relationship grows. We become more spiritual. And as we become more spiritual, we become more powerful. And when we become more powerful, we become a threat to hell. When all we focus on is soaring or seeking the emotional experience of a church service, it really won't bother you if you miss a service or two. You know, after a while it gets easier and easier. Let let me say it like this, because if all you're after is the emotional or the spiritual high that we experience when when the Holy Ghost is poured out, you can get by on just one or two of them a month, theoretically. You, you can survive on, on, on one or two of them a month. But to really be in tune with God, you see, when I'm walking with Him every day, I don't want to miss out on anything. There's things throughout the day. Yes, church is great. And yes, it's, it's so exciting to experience the Holy Ghost. But there are things living for God that happens on a daily basis that you can't experience nowhere else. It only comes from being in a relationship with Him. Number three is anything that affects our walk is important. In the natural, when we, when we perhaps hurt our foot or, or hurt a toe, it hinders the way you do, the way you carry on daily. When you have a, a, a bad foot or a, or, a, or a bad ankle, when something affects the way you walk, you've got to take care of it. You've got to see something about it. If you don't, it can have an everlasting effect or it can do permanent damage. That's why it's vital that if anything gets between me and my relationship with God, I've, I've got to get it right now. 
I, I can't wait to get back here Sunday morning. I've got to find a prayer closet somewhere. I can't wait for one of them old-fashioned camp meeting services so I can speak in tongues again. But right then and right now, I've got to find a place to get right with God or that issue will slow walk me down. There was a man named Peter Jenkins, and in 1973, he started walking across America with his dog. He walked some 5,000 miles from New York to Oregon, and it took him nearly six years. During the six-year journey, he was mugged and robbed three different times. He was stabbed one time. He was hit by a car, and his dog was killed by another car. After he finished his journey, he was interviewed and asked the question, was there ever a time when you just wanted to quit walking? And he said, yes. So the interviewer asked him, it had to be when you was mugged. That surely was what made you want to quit. He said, no, it wasn't when I was mugged. Perhaps it was the stabbing. Maybe when you got stabbed, you decided to throw in the towel. And to his surprise, he said, no, it, it wasn't the stabbing. Well, maybe by getting hit by the car or the death of your dog. He said, no, neither of those things made me want to quit. So with a puzzled look, the interviewer asked him, he said, what was it then? What, what was it that made you want to quit walking and give up on what you was doing? He said, it was when I got sand in my shoes is when I wanted to quit walking. Most of the time in this life, we can handle the big things. When they come at us, we learn to adapt and have the ability to overcome. But it's the little things. When, when you get sand in your shoes, it affects you that way. So, something so small, something that would seem so insignificant, it irritates you and it makes this journey uncomfortable. It doesn't take a lot of sand, but just a, a little bit. And it'll cause a blister on your foot to appear. A little sand in your shoes has the potential to cause a life-changing scenario in your life. It's the little things when we can rush to a decision and make a decision without carefully considering and consulting with God that we'll make a decision in our life that will have an, a lasting, eternal effect on our life. Most, most ladies, I believe, like to take walks on the beach with their husbands you know, it's, it's romantic and it's relaxing and the, you get to feel the sand between your toes. And I, I can count on one hand how many uh, romantic beach walks Jenny and I have had. Now, we've had a lot of North Georgia mountain walks. That's where we like to do our walking. But, but we have walked on the beach a few occasions. And when I try to walk, I, I get sand in my shoes. So I, I'll pull my shoes off. And then my feet are so tender, I look like someone trying to walk around on hot coals. And it's, it's uncomfortable. I'm not used to it. It's something that I don't never do. And, and if you're trying to walk with God on a part-time basis, if you're trying to have a a Sunday and Wednesday relationship. It's, it's always going to be uncomfortable to you. You're, you're always going to feel out of place when it, when it comes time at the office or at the restaurant to, to pray 
over your meal. You're going to feel uncomfortable. You're not going to know how to act. When that, when that coworker approaches you and they, they need some prayer or they need an encouraging word from the word of God and, and you feel uncomfortable, you don't know what to say. You don't know how to present a prayer. It's, it's when we're walking part-time is when we face trouble. It's not going to be the big things that affect our walk. Just like Peter Jenkins says, it wasn't the muggings or the stabbing or being hit by the car. It was the sand in his shoes that almost made him give up. That's why Solomon warned us, it's the little foxes that spoil the vines. The devil wants to destroy our walk and he will use whatever means necessary to destroy the relationship. That is why we will never, ever make it. No one, And this is not new to anybody, but you will not meet anyone in heaven who had a part-time relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why so many are struggling today. And and, and I'm speaking about apostolic Pentecostals. That's why so many people are struggling in church one week, out of church next week, because they want to live on the fence. And they can't make up their mind if they want... All of God or if they just want just a little piece of God. And nobody, I, I, I can't make heaven living on the fence. I'm going to have to jump, as the, as the old timers used to say, I'm going to have to jump in the fire with both feet and make a commitment to God. I, I heard a, a, a kind of a comedic comedy story the other day, but it... it it brought my attention and it made me think and it, it's applicable to our life. But one of our young ladies, and I won't mention her name, but she'd come home from youth camp and she looked at her mother and she says, I'm through living for God part-time. I'm going to live for God full-time. And that's the type of attitude that we have to adapt. As elementary as that may sound, it's living for God is about a made-up mind. It's about getting up day in, day out and purposing. The enemy's too wise. He's, he's too wise to come at us with big stuff because he knows we're expecting that. We've got this long list that, that we're guarding against, but it's when he slips in the back door. He, it's when he begins to let the grains of sand irritate us and like discouragement. You know, when you say, Lord, I've been praying for this. I, I've been asking for this a long time and you, you have failed to give it to me yet, Lord. So that little grain of discouragement creeps into our life. You, you thought you were going to be the one called on to sing a special song during revival and they chose someone else. And so that, that little grain of bitterness seeps into our life or gets into our shoes. And you say, well, I, I'm not going back there because they don't appreciate me. You think that ties and given to the kingdom of God was under the old law. And so now you have a, a, a sands or grains of sand of misunderstanding and it's affecting your walk. The doctor says, I see something in your x-ray. And so the grain of sand of fear and doubt grips our life. The pastor didn't speak to me this Sunday. He was too busy with somebody else. And so the sands of jealousy begin to sneak in. Other grains of sand get into our shoes and it begins to affect us like laziness, like like worrying about ourselves or worrying about things that we can't control, gossiping, uh, and the list could go on and on. Plenty, plenty of time for social media, but no time for church. That, that's the truth. That's, that's, that's the truth. Uh, you hear people say they didn't have time to make it to church, but if you look back at social media or Facebook and they put, put on 39 posts that afternoon. That's the world we live in. 
I'll tell you what. Pastor, if anybody caught it, laid out a challenge about three weeks ago. And he said, when you get on social media, I don't know if you remember this, he said, set your clock. Well, I, I took him up on it. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be transparent. I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed how quick time can get away from you involving yourself. And I'm not preaching against Facebook. I, but involving yourself in things that don't matter. And so I've made it a purpose that I do my very best. If I can do that, I can read all of James every day. If I can do that. We've got to make up our mind. When we're committed to this, we've got to go all the way. We, we may think it's a small thing. But, but let me remind you about sand. It's used to strip paint off of cars. Sand is used to blast away old rusty metals and bring, it, bring a piece of iron down to its original shiny state. Sand is rough, it's abrasive, and it will eventually render you and I unable to walk if we don't address or handle it. It may seem like a small thing right now, but it will slowly slowly eat away at our relationship because it is affecting the way that you walk. I, I shamefully speak from experience, but if anybody's truthful with you about backsliding, they'll tell you that it never happened overnight. It's a process that took a long time, and it was because you let little things begin to pick at you and begin to tear at you and begin to inch their way in your life. And you say, well, that's, that's not a big deal. And I, I would agree with you tonight and concur that it may not be a big deal right now, but bitterness and jealousy and pride does nothing but grow if it's not addressed. It's, it's about, like a, uh, about like a woman being, being pregnant. Well, you, you, when they, they announce they're pregnant, and you, well, I can't even tell. But as time goes by, you begin to see her stomach growing for long. There it is. And it's too late to do anything about it now because it's here. And that's the way things can be in our life. The problem is, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that, uh, that Jenny and I have took just a few walks on the beach. But, but there was one thing that I noticed. When, whenever you leave the, the little dock or the ramp, wherever you're going out from, there's usually a place to wash your feet, a little shower or a spigot or something. And, and when you leave that area, you can wash your feet off. But the problem I had is when I would get one washed off and one shoe clean and I'd put it down and try to rinse the other one off, I'd just get sand all back on this one. And, and sometimes when we try to rinse off some things in our life, it's still there. When I try to rinse off pride and jealousy and bitterness, it's still there. We have been trying to rinse the sand off of our feet only to have it still there. The same old issue in our lives seems to rear its ugly head back up at us. And, and what we have to realize is, and that brings me to my fourth and final point as our musicians come, what we have to realize about walking with God is He never... He never designed for you and I to wash our own feet. As hard as we may try to clean ourselves up, we can't. It takes Jesus Christ, it takes the power of the Holy Ghost, and it takes the blood to wash us clean. Peter said in 1 Peter 5 and 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Jesus said in Matthew 11 and 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor 
and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. John said in 13 and verse 5, 5 through 9, he said, After that he poureth the water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, doest thou wash my feet? And Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, for thou shalt know hereafter. And Peter said unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. And Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. I have no idea what you may be going through in your life right now in this particular season, but I know without a shadow of a doubt, I'm preaching to some saints of God who have been walking with God a long time and have experienced some sand in their shoes. And so there may be someone here this evening and and the sand is causing you some pain and some discouragement. But if I could admonish you tonight to, to look to your left and look to your right and look forward and look behind and you'll find some seasoned veterans in this house who a long time ago found out that it really matters how you walk. And because of that, they've made up their mind that they would walk for the Lord one day at a time. Not not just live this apostolic lifestyle on Sunday and Wednesday, but give everything they have every day to Jesus Christ and to the cause of the kingdom. As we stand across this house this evening, we as, as apostolic Pentecostals need to be concerned not only about our local assembly, but about about churches in our fellowship and, and all across the nation. We need to be in prayer because in this day and hour, in the apostolic Pentecostal movement, we've got something that's very valuable and very precious that we need to guard. What, what we have taken place in this day and hour, and you may or may not agree with me, but if you, if you watch long enough, people are, are not trying to fit in the world anymore but people are trying to fit the world into the church. We're we're trying to make this more uh, appeasable to those that are outside. We're we're trying to sweeten the gospel so that it might taste a little better or go down a little easier. But but ladies and gentlemen, we've got to hold on to something that we have that, that only God can give, and that's holiness and righteousness. Because without it, without it, we cannot see the kingdom of God. So I admonish us this evening. I admonish us this evening. As they close in a song and as you make an altar where you stand, let's do a self-evaluation. Let's do that for ourselves tonight and ask the Lord, am I walking in the path that I need to be? Am, am I going down the road and the wheel that you have planned for me? Because it really, really matters. It really matters how you walk. Can we lift our hands across this house tonight and begin to praise the Lord and magnify Him and do some soul searching within our own selves tonight? This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. 
For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.